But now, if you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn over to Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5, the Psalm of David. And I believe the Lord has something for us here tonight. You know what? We all go through those times in life when our faith is tested. Amen. James chapter 1 tells us that we're supposed to count it all joy when we go through different kinds of tests and trials because the trying of our faith works patience and patience have its perfect work that you'll be complete and entire, wanting nothing. I got to tell you, that has never been my favorite verse. And it's taken me a really, really long time just to like it at all. You know, I like it by faith because it's the word of God, but it's hard sometimes to count those tests and those trials joy. But let me tell you something, this passage tonight that we're going to look at can help us get there just a little quicker, I believe. You know, sometimes life can get a little heavy and it may just be one big thing or it can just be a whole lot of little things piled on top. But either way, sometimes our burden just seems heavy. You know, it can be trouble in your marriage or it can be mounting financial pressures or maybe there's a, a goal, something that you had hoped to achieve at this point in your life and it's just not happening. Maybe you got a lingering health problem or you got a child that's going the wrong way. Maybe you got an overbearing boss or a failed romance or see, it could just be a hundred other things. We all have battles. We all have tests, trials, and struggles. And just like us, David went through difficult times and he writes about many of them in the book of Psalms. And what a blessing it is for us to be able to read and know about not only his great victories, but the great trials and tests and battles and struggles and sometimes heartaches that he went through. We need to know that. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 5. David knew where to go when life was weighing him down. He knew there was a place where burdens are lifted, where victories are won. In fact, I'm going to read the intro to this psalm. Now, he writes this psalm. It is a prayer in the form of a song, it, but he, it's introed with this, to the chief musician with flutes, a psalm of David. Now, this is what's recorded here, to the chief musician with flutes, a Psalm of David. I don't want to place a lot of importance on an introduction, but I just want to take note of this, that David, who wrote this to the chief musician with flutes, you know, David himself was a very accomplished musician. Anybody know that? I mean, David would play the harp and drive the evil spirits away from King Saul. That, that's quite an anointing that this man had. But here, he wants this psalm to be done with flutes. Now, just understand this about the flute in that day and time. It was a wooden flute, 
and it kind of had a melancholy tone. You see, David didn't want this to be played bright and cheery with the harp. He wanted it to be played with that wooden flute. You know, sometimes you just don't feel cheery, right? I mean, you know, when you're really facing a battle, when you're right in the thick of it, and sometimes it just gets so heavy, sometimes you're just not feeling in a cheery mood. And I think maybe that's the way this started with David. You know, it's interesting how that, you know, there's other times too where, where David talks about, my soul is disquieted within me. You know, he had those times just like we do. But I want you to hear this now. You see, we have those times, but we shouldn't live our life in a minor key. And what I'm talking about is our life shouldn't sound like a sad song. You know what I'm saying? We go through those times, but we need to get to the other side in victory. And I believe that this passage of Scripture helps us do that. So we're going to get to it. Psalm Chapter 5, verse 1, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. I will pray. I just want to encourage you tonight to be a praying person. If you don't accomplish anything else, accomplish this that you are a praying person. He, he makes it real clear here. He says, give ear to my words, Lord. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for you I will pray. See, he says basically the same thing three different times, but with a growing intensity. He says, give ear to my words, consider my meditation, give heed to the voice of my cry. I want you to know that from the beginning in this prayer, he's not just throwing up a quick prayer to God. Like some people say, this is a man who was desperate for the Lord's help. You've been there? Some of you quiet. If you ain't been there, you will be. James 5.16 tells us it's the fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. It's not half-hearted praying. No, it's passionate prayer. It's when we are earnest. It's when we are fervent before God that we are desperate. We're truly seeking God in, in our situation, in our prayer. Because I want to tell you, it is not a small thing to pray. It is the biggest thing you will ever do. See, that just, that just goes against our old pride and human nature. But to pray, it's the biggest thing you will ever do because it brings the power of God into our situation, into our family, into our church, into our world. It's the biggest thing you'll ever do. I hope that tonight, some of you that maybe you've just kind of been, it's kind of iffy and hit and miss about your prayer. I just want to, see you get to the place where it's a done deal, that you're a praying person, that you pray and seek the Lord every day. Earnestly, passionately. 
You know, David knew where to go. He says, my king and my God, to you I will pray. See, he knew who he was talking to. My, my king. Did you, you get that? It's so personal for him. He says, my king and my God. Mine. Mine, my king and my God, not just, you know, the great God up in heaven, you know, the big man upstairs. Oh, my goodness, my king and my God, the one I bow my knee to, the God of the universe. That's the one I'm talking to, my king and my God. Verse 3 says, my voice you shall hear in the morning. O Lord. In the morning, I will direct it to you, and I will look up. I'm going to tell you, I'm not really a morning person. I used to be an evening person, a night owl. I'm neither now. <laughs> I get tired. I want to go to bed early. I don't sleep so good sometimes, and a lot of the time I wake up really early that doesn't make me a morning person. I'm just telling you. So please don't think that I say these things lightly or like I don't understand or like I don't know where you live. But I'm just going to say it very plainly. The very best time to take it to the Lord is the first thing in the morning. I know there's a whole lot of people now saying, oh, it don't matter when you do it, just any old time will do. Listen, here's what I know about that. It's the best way to start your day. Absolute best way to start your day. Here's the other thing I know about that. If it's not the first thing in the morning, isn't it amazing how the enemy of our soul will manage to get us busy and distracted with a thousand other things that's so important? If we don't get it first thing in the morning, a lot of the time it just gets pushed aside. That's the truth. And here's the last thing about that. You went off into that day without being prepared by prayer. So, my old flesh don't like it, but I'm preaching it anyway. <laughs> my voice you sell here in the morning, O oh Lord. That is the very best time. And how wonderful it is to go to the Lord the first thing in the morning and pray about the burdens that are on your heart, to pray about those anxious thoughts in your mind, to pray about the tasks that are at hand, the things that you have to do, to pray about the battles that are before you, to pray even about the ones maybe you don't know about yet. And to go out into your day and by faith know that you have victory that you've already prayed. And from the beginning, you're going out into your day expecting victory. Now, I know, as I said, some of us, we're just not morning people, but we really just need to do it anyway. Let me put it this way. Jesus did. Mark 1.35 gives us a good example of that. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, oh man, that's wrong. As far as we know, Jesus didn't even have coffee. A long time before daylight, 
he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. In the NIV, it just says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. And I can tell you this, it was of necessity. Jesus had to get away, and he had to have some time alone. And I am sure that sometimes the best way for him to do that had to be very early in the morning. And I just want to encourage you, especially if you struggle with time for prayer, early in the morning, early in the morning. You know, prayer is just one of those disciplines that if we don't do it early in the morning, it's just too easy for it to not get the priority that it deserves. David said, Lord, you are going to hear my voice in the morning. I mean, he's already made up his mind. He's already got a plan. He's, he's actually praying it. He's saying, you're going to hear my, we're going to talk in the morning, Lord. We're going to, we got to talk. I'm going to come to you. He says, in the morning, I will direct it to you. Get this. He's not going to get on the phone. He's not going to be texting everybody. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's wrong for you to text people or talk on the phone. But I'm just telling you what's going on here. He wasn't going to be rallying the troops. Hey, everybody, did you know? Let me tell you what I'm going through. He wasn't going to be searching the Internet for some answers. People search the Internet for an hour and it's nothing. And you talk to them about praying for an hour and they're like, what? Religious bondage. Listen, I know, believe it or not, preacher knows that David didn't have a phone and he didn't have the internet. But I just want you to get this. He, he wasn't looking to anybody else or anything else. He says, I will direct my prayer to you. And how often we waste time and we're so foolish and looking to other people and other things when the one thing we ought to be doing is talking to the Lord, looking to Him for the answers, looking to Him for direction. That's where the real answers come. That's where you find real help. And He says, and I will look up. I think first and foremost, He's saying, I'm going to, direct my attention. I'm going to look up to you. But I think that also there's something here that though he's been downcast, he says, he's saying, I'm going to look up. Not going to stay that way. And you see, that's what happens when we really pray. We don't stay down. We begin to look up. Verse 4, it says, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. David now has turned his attention to the character of God. He says here in these two verses, four times he says you. 
He's talking to the Lord about who he is and what he does. He says, you four times and once he says, your sight. But he's talking about the character and the person of God. And I want to tell you that when we focus our prayer on the magnificent character of God, when we get our minds on his righteousness, his holiness, his justice, his power. See, when we know that the judge of all the earth is going to do right, it changes our perspective. It lifts up our faith. It gets us to that place where we can really believe and trust God. I want to tell you, when people don't know who they're praying to, when they don't know the character, the person of God, and I'm not talking about know about, I'm talking about knowing him. When they don't really know him, they pray weak, sappy prayers with no faith. David wasn't like that. He knew who he was talking to. He knew that he was talking to a God of justice and righteousness that would absolutely do right. And we need to know who it is that we're talking to. You know, David was praying about these bloodthirsty, deceitful men. You might be dealing with an illness or praying about a financial need or maybe you're praying for direction. Well, he's our healer. He's the Lord, our provider. He is our shepherd. He's our guide. He's our strong tower. He's our fortress. I'm just trying to tell you, you need to know who he is. So when you go to him in prayer, you know who you're talking to because see, then you know that God is going to take care of your need. David says, you abhor the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. And then in great contrast, he says, but as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. See, he sets himself apart from the wicked ones that do evil. And he says, I come into your presence in the multitude of mercy. David knew that it was the mercy of God that allowed him to come in to the presence of God. It was God's great mercy and such grace the Lord offers us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How blessed we are that we can come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. David said, in fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple in fear of you in fear of you. See, David, he's talking about the mercy of God, but then he says, in fear of you. He had such respect and regard, reverence for the Lord in fear of you. This is something that's just not really talked a whole lot about today with the pop theology of the day. Everybody wants to do away with the fear of the Lord. But over and over and over, the Bible tells us that we are to fear the Lord. That we don't come 
We come boldly. That just means we come confidently because of the blood of Jesus. But we don't come with any kind of arrogance. We come humbly in the fear of the Lord. You know, some people think that because of grace, that, you know, it's just like no big deal. You know, we're under grace. We don't have to fear the Lord. That is not at all what grace means. And that's not even what the writer of Hebrews was saying when he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Listen to what he goes on to say. Hebrews, the same book, the same writer under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says in chapter 12 and verse 28, let us have grace. Let us have grace so that we can just be all flippant and no big deal. No, he says, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Reverence? Man, I know now this, this pastor, he's just stuck in the 1950s. I'm just stuck in the Bible. I just say what the Bible says. Now, I just figure if it rubs somebody the wrong way, they need to turn around. Help me, Jesus. I don't want to be ornery. I just want to say what you want me to say. That we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. You know, the Lord Jesus, he taught us to pray. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're never to approach him with disrespect or anything but an attitude of godly fear. You know, David, he said here, in fear of you, I will worship toward your temple. And it's kind of strange that he uses that particular word. He's not talking about a temple, literally. A lot of people don't ever really think about this, but if you've read the Bible very much, and you can go home and read it tonight, but I'm, I'm just telling you that there was no temple in David's lifetime. There was no physical temple in David's lifetime. There was a tabernacle, but that was not the temple, the, the word that he uses here. But here's what, we, here's what we need to take away from that is that David was going into the presence of God. And we ourselves need to understand that when we're, we're going into the presence of God, you know, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that there's a new and living way opened for us by the blood of Jesus that we can go into that holy place. But we go in there by the grace of God and we go in there with this attitude of reverence and fear for our God. Back to Psalm 5. In verse 8, David is ready to present his request to the Lord. He says, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your, make your way straight before my face. Now, it's really obvious in this passage that David is talking about these evil people that have set themselves against him as his enemy. But I want you to notice what happens here. David doesn't make it about them at this point. He makes it about himself right now at this point. And he says, this is his prayer. 
He says, make your way straight before my face. You see, we can be wronged by other people and there may be those who have set themselves against us to do us harm or we might be under some kind of an attack of Satan. But I just want you to understand that the same principles that we're going to see here that worked for David will work for us. He asked the Lord to make his way straight before his face. He He is asking the Lord, show me what I'm supposed to do. Make it straight before me. Make it clear. Help me to know what I am supposed to do. See, here's the most important thing. Whenever you're going through a difficult time or when even when there's a, a tragedy that occurs, here's the most important question, the most important thing. What would God want you to do? And I think David was saying, Lord, just put it right in front of my face. What a great prayer. Because so often when we're in a battle, we get ourselves in trouble because we try to handle it our way instead of the Lord's way. And sometimes even when we do pray, we just want the Lord to do what we tell him. You know, get my enemies, fix my bank account, whatever else it is. And we miss this. Show me what to do. Here I am, Lord, in this situation. Make your way straight before my face. How much better if the first thing we pray is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What would please you? See, we don't pray and tell God what he ought to do. First and foremost, we pray for his will, not ours. That's the example of our Savior. Amen? Amen. Not my will, but your will be done. Because that's always going to end up best. Amen? Amen. But I, I am convinced that the Lord will show us if we sincerely desire his way. You know, sometimes we just, want a, we just want a quick fix for our problem. But here's the thing. We need to understand the quickest way between point A and point B is a straight line. And David is asking that the Lord will make his way straight. And I'm just telling you, see, if we get God's way, it's actually the quickest way through your battle. Well, we're always looking for some quick fix, and I want to tell you, it don't work. In fact, a lot of the time, we just create a mess. Anybody ever heard of Ishmael? Another story, another time. But I'm just telling you, a lot of times, we just make a mess when we try to go the quick, what we think is the quick way, but the quick way between point A and point B is the straight way, and God is the one who will show you what you need to do. And so this is such a powerful part of this prayer that he prays, see, we don't go to the Lord with a self-righteous attitude demanding that he right the wrongs, that he fix it. But instead, we go to him with a humble heart and ask him to show us what we ourselves are not doing that we need to be doing. 
or what we're doing that we need to knock it off. Well, let me just make this a little more down to earth. So, well, let me put it this way. You wouldn't believe how many couples who are struggling with their marriage, if they would just pray and ask the Lord, and I'm talking about as individuals, not just as a couple, but even as individuals, if they would just pray and ask the Lord what they need to do. Here's the most common way to pray for your spouse. Lord, my spouse needs to do this and not do that. Lord, if you just fix my, help my spouse. You know, he don't even come to church half the time. Lord, I just pray you just cause him to come to church in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just pray you cause my wife to quit being on my back every day in the name of Jesus. Both of them are losing. Because what we need to pray is God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Oh, that's something that works. And you know what? It doesn't just work with spouses. It works with kids. It doesn't just work with kids. It works with bosses. And it doesn't just work with bosses. It works with employees. How about if we just prayed, Lord, what do I need to do? That's what we do first. Isn't that amazing that Jesus taught us to pray first? Not my will, but your will. I mean, well, it goes like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he goes on to those other requests. But that's the first thing that he taught us to pray in the Lord's prayer. But you see, this is why prayer is just so important. Because sometimes we think that we know what's right. And we think that we know what we need to do. What needs to happen. But a lot of the time we miss God. And we struggle all because we didn't pray for his guidance and his help and what we should do in the situation. So pray that he will lead you. Verse 9, David has turned his attention now to the battle at hand. And he says, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. Now, David is turning this all over to the Lord. And I want you to understand this. He's not telling the Lord what to do, but he is presenting his petition to the Lord. And that's what we have to do. You know what? David knew that the Lord could deal with his enemies easily. Do you know that? And, and, and not just enemies in the sense of those that are against you, but your enemies, whether it's an illness or trouble with your marriage or car trouble, whatever it is. You see, God can take care of that. It's not hard for the Lord. You see, we need, we need to get this because sometimes, you know, people get frustrated and they get disillusioned because, well, yeah, it's easy for God, but he didn't do anything. I'm telling you, we need to get a hold of this prayer tonight and how David does this. But he presents his petition to the Lord. And we just need to, first of all, know how that our enemies, whether they're flesh and blood or the powers of darkness, they are no match for our God. 
James says, even the demons believe and tremble. They're so afraid of him because they know that just one word from him and they're done. Listen, when Jesus walked this earth, the demons were so afraid of Jesus, they begged him, oh, please send us into the pigs because they knew that whatever he said, they had to do. He hadn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he can still speak one word and command 6,000 demons. I want to tell you, whatever your problem is, it's no match for your God. David knew that God could handle his issues. But I want you to understand this, that David says this, he says, for they have rebelled against you. You see, he didn't make it just about him and them. You see, when you're doing what you're supposed to do, not just what you think is right, what he says is right. When you're doing what he says for you to do in your situation, then it's no longer between you and whatever that enemy is. It's between that and God. You know, a wonderful example of the Lord's way instead of our way is that we don't repay evil for evil when we're wronged. Well, we pray. And Jesus tells us to forgive us our, our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that's, that's our responsibility, our place. What we have to do is we have to forgive. Many years ago, I got fired from a job. Because the pastor was mean to my wife and she didn't go to staff meetings anymore. And he said, you bring your wife to staff meeting. And I said, no, sir, you speak to me any way you want to, but you'll not ever speak another unkind word to my wife. And he fired me shortly after. And then he came into my office one day and he said before, you know, before I was actually gone and he said, now, you know, I just want to talk to you. You know, I don't want you going off telling everybody about how I destroyed your life. I want you to know he didn't destroy my life. And he said, I just, you know, I just want to know, you know, if we're all right. And I said, there's nothing between you and me. I said, I've already put that in the hands of the Lord. And whatever was between you and me, that's between you and God. And I'm in it. I'm not going to tell you the end of that story, but I just want to read this to you. Romans 12, 17 through 20. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And I want to tell you, nobody can repay better than the Lord. Nobody. Oh, why do we ever doubt Him? 
He is mighty God, and His way is always better. But we got to truly turn it over to the Lord. We got to get to that place where we truly put it in God's hands, whatever it is. See, we're praying. That's, that's the whole thing is that we're wanting God to help to take care of this situation. But you got to get to that place where you're willing to do it His way. You're willing to truly turn it over to Him. And prayer helps you get there. Our Savior, He knew why He was here. He knew what He had to do. He talked about it over and over again. But He had to go into the Garden of Gethsemane and pray. How is it we think we don't need to pray? Oh my goodness, if we're going to do the will of God, if we're going to see God accomplish in our life what He wants to do, we got to pray. But here's the best part in verse 11. David says, But let all those who rejoice, or let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. This is the place we got to get to in prayer. The place where we can just rejoice because we are trusting Him. We got to get to that place where we turned it over to Him. You see, we get to that place where we're trusting the Lord. It's a sure thing. We pray until we rejoice, until we praise. You got to pray through until the peace comes, until you can praise the Lord. You know, I'm just telling you, a lot of the time, a quick little prayer just won't do. R.A. Torrey wrote this, O men and women, pray through, pray through. Do not just begin to pray and pray a little while, pray, pray a little while and throw up your hands and quit, but pray and pray and pray until God bends the heavens and comes down. See, we pray until that peace comes down. We pray until we can praise Him. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. If our God is for us, who can be against us? You see, we've got so many reasons to trust the Lord, so many reasons to be able to praise Him. And I want to tell you tonight, you see, you need to pray until you can praise. Is that, well, I prayed at least 10, 15 minutes and I, I couldn't praise you didn't pray long enough. You need to pray until you can begin to praise him. David talks about him shouting for joy. Have you ever prayed it and prayed until you shouted for joy? We need to. We need to pray until we got this big battle, we got this big problem, this big struggle, this situation that's going on. What are you going to do? You're going to pray until you can praise the Lord. That's victory. You know, it's really interesting to me. Many of the Psalms of David were prayers. And so often he starts off it just kind of down. But by the time he gets to the end of his prayer, he is praising the Lord in victory. That's what we've got to get. That's what we need to get a hold of tonight is that you pray until you can praise. Amen. Until you can truly praise the Lord. 
let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Do you love his name? We sang about it tonight. There's power in that name. Amen. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. Unto now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You see, we, we're praying in the name of Jesus. We're supposed to have joy because whatever we ask the Father in his name, in Jesus' name, he will give you. So we pray until the praise comes. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with the shield. David ends this prayer with a declaration of the goodness of God that he will bless the righteous. He will surround you with favor like a shield. I mean, that favor is going before you, but I want to tell you something else. He's got your back. <laughs> I remember one time when I just felt like I've been stabbed in the back. And I was like, Lord, who's got my back? And he, I it just, one of those times, it was so clear to me that he said, I've got your back. That's the best. That's better than anybody else. That's shouting ground. He surrounds you with favor. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to love you. That doesn't mean that the devil won't try to disrupt you. That doesn't mean there won't going to be any battles. But there's a shield around you called God's favor. And when he favors you, you've got victory coming. So you pray, you pray through until you can praise him for the victory. It's something that we all need to do every day in our life, just to pray until we got victory. I mean, until we can praise Him. We, we shouldn't be going out in this world heavy and you know, down. And I understand there's, there's things in life that are, I said it from the very beginning, there's heavy burdens that weigh you down. That's why we pray until the praise comes. And if it's in your heart to do so tonight, and say, I'm not into just going through motions, but if it's in your heart to do so tonight, I would encourage you to make a new commitment to along with David to just say, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, I will direct it to you and we'll look up and just make up your mind. You know what? I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to be talking to the Lord in the morning. I'm going to talk to Him until I can praise Him. You don't have to shout. You, know, you don't have to wake the wife and kids up. Or the husband. The neighbors. You live in an apartment. They'll be calling the police on you. But I'm just telling you, you, get, you need to get to the place where you praise Him that you've got victory. Stand with me. We're going to pray and I'm going to let you be dismissed.